1: He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
2: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm glad to be back with you. The Lord has carried me now for some time of rest in him, reading of scripture, fasting, praying. He's been very gracious, but the message I have for you is not an easy message. The message is very honest and straight. Jesus has been very patient with us, but now that patience has come to an end we are in the last days of this earth's history. If we're to be with him in glory, we must be made clean in reality, and we must be made clean now. Many, through the years as I have ministered, have listened to the word, but they had favorite sins besetting sins they didn't want to deal with those besetting sins and God was very patient with them long suffering one man filled with arrogant pride but very religious could not talk with him about his pride he had a defense for anything you might say Others, women, dressing in a very immoral way with breasts on full display. Dressed in clothes that were very suggestive. If you talk to them about it, they become very defensive and very angry. I have a right to dress however I want to dress. Well, yes, you do. But not before Jesus. Some love money. One man kept saying to me, I'm going to become very, very wealthy. I'm going to do everything I need to do to gain that wealth. And then when I'm wealthy, I will help build the church. I will help with the work of God. No, he won't. That's not the way God works. His was a lust for money, and it was sin before Almighty God. And God was exceedingly patient with this man. The time of patience is past. And God is going to begin exposing every sin immediately. So today, if you're a fornicator, that is going to become public knowledge and you will be shamed. If you are into pornography, you will be exposed in a most shameful manner. If you are lusting after money, that lust for money will be exposed and you will face judgment. Do you understand? Things have changed. The day of God's patience is over. Please hear me. Some of you have walked knowing that you were in rebellion. And when I have said to you, are you clean before God? You would say, I'm working on it. Well, you don't overcome sin by working on it. You overcome sin by being crucified with Christ, stepping over the line of utter devotion to Jesus and no longer walking like the world or in the world. But many that I've spoken to about leaving that life of sin have just been defensive and say, I'm working on it. I know, Pastor, I know. And others say, oh, I know, I know, I know. And I'm fine and I'm on my way. But nobody else thinks that because their sins are so obvious to everyone else. But they will not hear it. There is no ability to hear a rebuke or new direction. They're filled with self righteousness. And so it goes. What I'm telling you today is that we have entered the last days of Earth's history. And don't just listen to what Pastor Ray is saying. Listen to what the secular leaders of our day are saying. The economists. They're all saying the same thing. America is crashing. It's over. The world economy is contracting as it has never in the history of mankind contracted. And we're entering a time of desperation. It's the end time. We're not going to a time of great prosperity as some would have us believe. Jesus is coming. We are moving on toward the kingdom of heaven or we are going to be moving on toward the judgment of God. Because of God's great patience, we have thought we had time but now that time has run out and God is now going to deal with your sin or my sin if there be such I can't cover this over with smooth words don't talk to me about the grace of God covering over your sin That is in total opposition to everything in the scripture. Grace teaches us how to let the sin be removed by the blood of Jesus. It doesn't tell us anywhere in the scripture that grace covers our sin. It does not. There is a final message that is given in the book of Revelation. Revelation, the 22nd chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 11. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. And the one who is filthy still be filthy. I know that many listening to this broadcast today are still filthy before God. You're filthy, and you know you're filthy. And you think you have time. You do not have time. Today is the day of salvation. He continues Revelation 22, verse 11. And let the one who is righteous, or let the one who is innocent, still practice righteousness or innocence. And the one who is holy still keep himself holy. You understand, holiness is a choice. We are given the power to walk holy before God. We have to choose if we will do that. Behold, I am coming, verse 12. I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs or the scavengers and the sorcerers and the immoral person and the murderers, and the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. We are at that time. We are at that time. Jesus is saying very clearly to us, by the Spirit, by the Word of God, by the messages that you've heard on this broadcast, if you're still in rebellion, if you're still believing a lie that you can somehow skip through at the end of time, you can't. We're at the end of time. And the judgment of God is going to now begin to fall on your life. You're going to find things becoming increasingly difficult for you you're going to wonder, what have I done to deserve all of the Sinned against God? Often God's punishment is delayed. You remember when the Jews, the Jewish leaders, utterly rejected Jesus Christ. And they said of him, we have no God but Caesar. The Lord prophesied that total judgment would come upon them it took 70 years for that judgment to come in the form of the roman army under titus who burned the city who murdered the jews more than a million jewish people died in that bitter attack by the roman army it was judgment against the jewish nation and its leaders the Jewish leaders, according to Josephus at the end, actually went crazy, were fighting in the temple, shedding blood one against another. Every unclean thing was happening. Every wicked thing was happening in Jerusalem. And God's judgment fell, and they died. Now, I could, I could walk you through history, time after time. Somehow, we've lived these... 30 years or 40 years or 50 years or 70 some years and we think oh we know what's happening we've got it i'll i'll improve i'm growing no i'm not talking about maturing i'm talking about known rebellion immaturity is never sin what is sin is purposeful rebellion against the most high god of heaven saying no I will do it my way. I will have it my way. I will create my own life. I will have all that I desire. If that's your position, the judgment of God is about to fall on your life. And you're going to say, Why has this happened to me? Because of your sin? Relationships will break. Finances will disappear. Hunger will come. No peace in your heart. Depravity. Desperation. All of this is coming because of sin. God is going to let many of these difficulties even come upon the Christian people who are walking clean before him so that there will be no doubt that they are eager to leave this earth and go to heaven with Jesus. He had to do that for the children of Israel. He had to let the first plagues of Egypt fall upon the children of Israel so that they would be so miserable and say, ah, we must leave and go to the promised land. You will say, "Ah, we must leave and go to heaven. We're finished here. There's no future here. It's been all destroyed. But that will not be the worst part. The worst part will be a guilty conscience and no humility of heart, no willingness to repent before a holy and righteous God. That will be the the very worst to be hung out to dry with no hope of salvation and no hope of deliverance, just dying. That's what's coming. Right now, it's upon us. Even today as I'm doing this broadcast, the mainstream news is talking about Mr. Putin's threatening to destroy Ukraine with nuclear power. And, of course, once that starts, Washington, D.C. will be nuked. New York City will be gone. L.A., Miami, Fort Lauderdale. They'll burn. God is finished with sin. And he is calling you to receive a new life to declare loudly and clearly where you stand do you stand with the light or do you stand in the darkness calling it light the drunkard the drug addict the sexually addicted they all think their heaven is their drug It's not. It's hell. I'm going to begin today talking with you about the book of John, the gospel of John. It is a dramatically different gospel than Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Matthew was written primarily to help the Jewish believers understand who Jesus Christ was. Mark was written, action now for the young we want to see the action okay luke luke is a a sequential study of the life of jesus laying out as plainly as possible what he thought happened as he talked with the other disciples but john John goes deep in the underside, the underbelly of what Jesus Christ was really doing, who he was, what this was all about, and that's where I want to go with you. I want you to see clearly what the gospel of John wants us to know. There are three key words that we will focus on during this study that John repeatedly takes us to. The first is repentance, meaning an absolute turning from our sin, no longer walking in it, being made whole by the blood of Jesus. Number two, he talks about righteousness, moral righteousness, not make-believe righteousness, not imputed righteousness, but imparted righteousness. And third, Consecration. Consecration. Purity. Set apart. I'll identify these words and concepts as we go through the book of John. John, the first chapter, in the beginning was the word. This is Logos coming from the greek and it means the logic and reason the creative idea behind everything that has been created have you ever seen a a new lexus leap out of a a wrecking yard no Have you seen an F-15 fly out of a junkyard? No. Everything that we see was created by someone out of something. Everything that is created comes out of what God created, out of what Jesus created. All of the elements of our world, all of the the trees, the forests, the animals, the humans, it all came from God's hand, from Jesus Christ's hand. The word was with God. This creative person was with God and the word was God. Was here not in the sense of past tense. Was here throughout eternity in the greek never a time when he was not there jesus christ was from all eternity he never had a beginning and he will never have an end he was with god verse 2 this is john chapter 1 verse 2 he was with god in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not been able to overcome it. It's vital that we understand who this God is that we're dealing with. When I say to you, Jesus has been very patient with us, but now that patience is at an end. Who am I talking about? I am talking about the God who created all things. Now, you'll listen to some worldly atheist people or worshipers of Buddha or Allah or other gods, Shintoism, Hinduism, and they have their God story. but I want to tell you that Jesus is unlike all of these other God stories. He is unlike any of the other stories because, first of all, he has absolute integrity and has never walked in rebellion against his own laws. He is compassionate and merciful. He is long-suffering. We know that. You know that in your own life. How long have you rebelled against Almighty God, playing the game of the world, of the darkness, and of the light? Many of you have had one foot in the darkness and one foot in the light, and God has been very patient with you. But we need to know who this God is. If you have no fear of God, you are a fool. For this God is mighty. He is powerful. He is all-knowing. He examines our hearts and our minds. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he asks us to trust him. And he's given us every possible reason to trust him. The devil, on the other hand, is darkness. He's a liar, he's a thief, he's a murderer. Everything that he says is a lie. Some of you enjoy the smorgasbord of the devil that he has laid out on the table where you're free to run around and do whatever you want to do, dress however you want to dress, go wherever you want to go, say whatever you want to say, and it's okay, there's no judgment. That time is over. The games are over. Some of you have no moral strength. You have no moral strength. Whichever way the wind is blowing, that's the way you go. You don't know how to say no to sin. You don't know how to say no to the party. They say, oh, come on. There's nothing wrong with going to this club. All we're going to do is have some drinks and we're going to dance a little. And There's nothing wrong with that. Come on, let's go to the casino. There's nothing wrong with going to the casino. Let's go to the strip club. There's nothing wrong with the strip club. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to watch. Oh, my brother my sister. Judgment from God is about to fall on you and you will not escape that judgment. You think you can shack up with somebody and not be married? You think you can live a life of sin and rebellion and live it on your own terms and your own way? You can until you get cancer and die. You can until... You have that car accident. You can until you're out of time and your life is gone and you're cast into outer darkness for eternity and you're never brought into the light. You have enjoyed partial light. Some of you live in the twilight zone. You live in that partial light. You go to church. You may even give some tithes and offerings. But you know and I know that you live in that place of utter darkness. And you like the darkness because it covers over the lust of your heart. It covers over your lying spirit. It covers over your cheating soul. But you will go into that outer darkness. With weeping and crying and agonized struggle. I've lived long enough to be at the sick beds of big tough guys, macho guys. And I've held their hand as they died. Believe me, they didn't die macho. They died whimpering for mama. It's amazing how many tough guys, when they're dying, will in their delirium be crying out for mama, mama. Oh, come on. We're not so tough, are we? So where do you want to spend eternity? I want to spend eternity in the light. Because the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. Verse 10. He was in the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. Now what happened, Jesus tried reaching out with Noah and finally after 200 years of righteous preaching, no one would listen. The righteous all died off or were taken like Enoch. And then the flood came. And the entire world was washed away. All the technology It was all washed away. And then God started over with one man, Abraham. Abraham and Sarah. And he taught them step by step the way of God, the way of righteousness. And finally, he offered his son on the altar of burnt offering at God's command. But before the offering could be completed, God stayed his hand and said, Okay, now I know you will obey me. And so because you will obey me, I'm going to give to you all of the promises that I have made regarding this Canaan land. It will belong to your descendants. And then we have God setting apart the Jews from all the peoples of the earth that were utterly wicked. And he raises up a whole nation that he takes out of Egypt. Egypt he used simply as a womb to birth a nation. They didn't leave easily. And we're not going to leave this earth easily but step by step god tried to save his people and there were righteous among the jewish people but the nation of the whole was constantly going back to wickedness and idols and fornication sexual wickedness lying cheating stealing abusing Finally, finally, God sent a man, and He said, I'm going to have to come myself and dwell among men and show them who I am. Now we read verse 6. John 1 verse 6, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. God himself in the flesh entered into this earth. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You notice he did not make them children of God. He gave them the right to access his blood. He gave those who would choose the right to become children of God, to live clean and righteous lives now. He promised the power to overcome everything the devil would throw at us. He promised, as it says in Romans, the sixth chapter, that even the old man of sin was going to be utterly destroyed in his children so that it would no longer tempt. Now, we are tempted from the outside, but I'm saying we're promised that we would no longer be tempted from the inside. We would be washed and made clean by the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus. And so, this incredible statement is made. He was in the world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Jesus created the world. You read in the beginning of the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. That was Jesus. It was Jesus who stood on Mount Sinai and spoke the Ten Commandments. It's always been Jesus. And Jesus came to his own people. And his own people did not recognize him or receive him. Why did they not receive him? Well, the scriptures tell us later in the book of John, we'll find... The reason they did not receive him is because they did not understand or know how they could receive Jesus and still be a part of the Roman Empire. And the leadership of the Jewish people had so compromised themselves with Rome that their source of income was flowing to them from Rome. The disciples would go out fishing and they would come back to the city of Magdala right there on the edge of the sea of Galilee if you go there today the sea of Galilee has dropped about 15 feet and so there's distance now between the ruins of Magdala and the sea of Galilee but the time was when Peter and James and John when the disciples were fishing The Sea of Galilee came right up to Magdala. And they would bring their fish to Magdala. And there was a processing plant there where the fish would be salted down, cleaned, salted, prepared to eat. And where did that fish go? To Rome. Almost all of the fish the disciples caught and the other fishermen caught in the Sea of Galilee were exported to Rome. They loved the fish from the Sea of Galilee. As we look at this, the leadership did not want to sacrifice their financial positions to receive Jesus Christ. Now, that was not true of Joseph of Arimathea. And he had much to lose. Extra-biblical sources tell us that he ran tin mines, as did Nicodemus, up in England. They were very wealthy men from an arrangement with Rome. And the leadership did not want that place of prosperity to be risked by following a Messiah. They had no room for a Messiah. They wanted their money. Well, today in America, we have utterly wicked leadership. Wicked leadership in the Supreme Court, in the executive branch, in every part of government, at the White House, in the executive branch. Utterly wicked and evil leadership. Why? Because it's the beginning of God's judgment upon this nation. Wicked leadership. Dumb leadership is a sign of God's judgment on a nation. People have said to me, how is it possible in America that we could end up with a president who was so disabled he would get lost on the stage? And I've said, it's very simple. It's God's judgment upon this nation to bring about every wicked thing in this nation to finally bring in the one world government the Antichrist. It's a sign of God's judgment. So God came in the form of Jesus, for he was God. He came into the world. God sent a man to announce his coming, a man who did not work miracles, a man who simply cried out, repent. John the Baptist worked no miracles except He cried out, Repent, and the Holy Spirit convicted people, and they came to him from every corner, confessing their sins. They were not baptized without confessing their sins, without turning from their sins in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. The crowds, by the thousands and thousands, went out to John the Baptist. It was the talk of the whole nation and other nations. he announced that this Jesus was to save them from their sins. Not to cover over their sins, but to save them from their sins. Now, many of you are believing that you are sinning Christians. I love you, but I have to say it to you. There's no such thing as a sinning Christian. If you're a true Christian, you have left your life of sin. You have been baptized and transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Jesus is coming and he's going to separate the sheep and the goats. The goats he's going to send to the fire of hell. And the sheep are those who have humbled their hearts and received Jesus Christ and have been born from above, transformed into the likeness of Jesus. It's so difficult for me to even begin to speak to you about these things because we have so confused the world, the flesh, and the devil with the way of Christ. We don't know how to differentiate between them today. So a man can say, oh, I'm a Christian, but he goes after every entertainment of the world. A man says, I'm a Christian, but he lusts after the wicked women of the age. He says, I'm a Christian, but I'm going for the money. Oh, and I'll help the gospel of Jesus with all the extra money I make. A man says, I'm a follower of Jesus. Let's go party, let's go drink, let's go to the club, let's go to the whatever. You understand, and and you're going to hear more and more clearly as we walk through this incredible gospel of John, that to be a follower of Jesus means something totally different than anything we have known in our culture. It means to be utterly set apart for Jesus. It means that we no longer participate in the works of darkness. We no longer haunt the places of utter wickedness with other men and women. We are separate. We have come out. We have separated ourselves, and we are given now unto Jesus. And Jesus has been very patient with us. He's been very patient with me. He's been very long-suffering with me. And that's over. It's over. He's going to expose our sin. What sin are you ashamed of that you do not want to have exposed? Then you better get rid of it now. Because it will be exposed and you will be shamed. He continues. He came, verse 11 to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. It's like a man coming home and his family saying, leave, we don't recognize you, but I'm your son. I'm family. No, you're not. You're an outsider. Leave. Can you imagine the heartbreak and sorrow of a person who comes home only to be rejected. To all who received him, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, Peter, James, John, Zacchaeus. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. He didn't make them children of God. He gave them the right to apply to become a child of God. To become a child born not out of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So we are called not to be born of flesh, not to be born of mom and dad, Not to be born out of our culture. But to be born out of God himself. Now John. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He says we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only. The true light who came from the Father, full of grace and truth? Do you love the truth? I love the truth. I want the truth. I don't want to hide from the truth ever again. I want the truth. Speak to me truth. Don't lie to me. But what would happen in your marriage if you began just speaking truth to one another? No compromise, no making up lies, no excuses. Everything is truth. I love the truth. The truth sets me free. I don't have to hide. I don't have to play games. I can be straight up. I can be honest. And Jesus Christ is the truth. He weighs everything I say and everything I do, everything I feel, everything I think, the motives of my heart. He weighs it all to see if I am lying or if I'm speaking the truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, This was he of whom I said he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, the law condemns us. It tells us what we have done wrong. That law came by Moses. Grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. But it requires to walk in grace and truth. It requires that we be crucified with Christ. Romans, again, the sixth chapter. We have to be changed. We have to be born from above. There has to be a new birth. We become a new person. And how do we become that? By absolutely surrendering everything that we have and are, and we put it on the altar of burnt offering. Romans, the 12th chapter. We are transformed into the likeness of Jesus. It is a work of God that he does in us and for us. Well, we're going to stop there today. We'll pick it up next week. Tomorrow is a day of prayer. You're welcome to join and we will pray together. I want to thank those of you who remembered the National Prayer Chapel while I was out of town. Many of you continued to give so that we have the ability to cover most of radio for this month. We're not there yet, but it's coming. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, jot it down, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage nationalprayerchapel.com and there you can give online. You can listen to this broadcast again and you can find there where we meet on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And you're welcome to join us if you're serious about Jesus. If this teaching is helpful to you, then I invite you to come. And God bless you today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for each person who has listened to this broadcast. I pray that they will gain understanding that you've been very patient with them. But now that patience is at an end. That we are in the very last days of earth's history. That we are to be with you in glory. And we must be clean in reality if we are going to go to that place. And Lord, I pray for Dilip's mom. I pray that you will meet her in her critical condition. I pray, Lord, that you will lift up Dilip and his wife and family. That you would call them totally into yourself, Jesus. That he would no longer in any way play with sin that he would walk in the power of your spirit, clean and washed. I pray, Lord, that no judgment would need to come upon his life. And, Lord, I don't know the spiritual condition of his mother, but, Lord, would you bring her to yourself if she is not a believer? Lord, thank you for your mercy and your kindness and your grace. Lord, I love you, and I trust you. And I bless your holy name. Amen.